Hello coders, welcome to another How to Code Well podcast. Since the last episode, 19 ways to speed up your learning of web development did so well, I thought I would do a similar topic today. And this is misconceptions of web development and programming. So I've been a programmer or a web developer, I guess, for about 20 years. That's when I started learning code. And I've heard a whole bunch of baloney over my time uh, where people come up with these random misconceptions that don't actually make any sense. We're going to list down some of those. These are all my opinions, by the way. So I appreciate that some people will have different opinions to this. The first one, we're going to get straight into it. And that is that women cannot code. That's right. There are people out there who think that women can't code. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous, complete horseradish, in my opinion. I've worked with very talented female programmers, programmers that are better than me. <laughs> Why do people come up with these things? This is daft. Moving on slightly in that direction, there is the, the misconception that female programmers are better at front-end development compared to back-end development because it's all about user journeys and making the thing look pretty. Again, total horseradish, complete macaroni and cheese. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I know some very talented Python Python female programmers and they're, they're fantastic. In fact, some of the programmers, both blokes and women, male and female, who do work on the front end, they work on incredibly difficult stuff and it goes straight over my head. So if you ever think that a female, a woman cannot code at the same capacity as a bloke, then really, Get your head checked, in my opinion. Why do people come up with these things? Well, it's gatekeeping, in my opinion. It's gatekeeping. Uh, people like to have or feel superior. And the way they do that is they downplay other people's abilities and skills. Following on from the whole female and male debate, we've got the front end and back end. So as I mentioned, there's a misconception that women work better on the front end than they do on the back end. That's just total horseradish. But there is also a misconception that the front end is easier than the back end. Um, and that is, again, that's totally ridiculous. I've been doing a lot of work recently on the front end using things like React and Vue um, and really interesting CSS stuff. Again, that is completely complicated. I'm having to learn this stuff. This isn't stuff that just comes naturally to me because I am technically leaning more towards the back end. I'm a full stack developer, but the front end is actually very complicated. Um, not only are you working on JavaScript code, not only are you working on user interfaces, but you also have to take into consideration user journeys, edge cases, how the system interacts with the user or how the user interacts with the system, I should say. You don't have to worry about that too much in the back end because you're worrying about data more in the back end. However, saying that, and I, there's going to be people out there going, whoa, 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 front end developers deal with data too. Yes, they certainly do. Now, when I was starting out, when I was learning code all those years ago, I never really dabbled into the hardcore complexities of JavaScript in the front end because really the front end was easier back then because you didn't have 
you know, all your frameworks. You didn't have all of the, the crazy NPM stuff that you do now. Um, one thing I would suggest is that front end is actually more difficult than it was back in the day because, you know, in order to be a front end developer now, you, you really need to have a grasp, at least a small grasp on the terminal and the command line. We didn't have to do that back in the day. And back in the day, we were just using JavaScript files, <laughs> external JavaScript files, which sure you can still do now, but there's still, there's an emphasis on developers, front end developers these days needing to have some form of knowledge of the command line. And that is, in my opinion, perhaps a barrier to entry because the terminal, that big black sort of box that you type things in, you can do an awful lot of damage in there. <laughs> So one of the misconceptions is that uh, front-end development is easier than back-end development. However, a contradictory one is that front-end development is actually getting harder. I would agree with that. However, I would say that the resources out there available to developers is far greater than it was. However, you could argue that that makes things a little bit more confusing when people are saying different things and there's too many options out there because you know, remember back in the day, I can remember when Bootstrap first came out. <laughs> that was like, whoa, crazy time. That was nuts. Now you've got all sorts of libraries, left, right, and center. And, you know, you don't have just one library that does one thing well. You have multiple libraries that do that one thing that you're trying to do well, but perhaps there's a dependency on another library. And yeah, it just gets a very, very complicated and likewise with the back end, I think that's getting more complicated too. Uh, because again, you have the frameworks. You also have the different architectures as well. So monoliths versus microservices. Uh, you've got different types of ways of connecting the infrastructure together. I think that there, there's more emphasis on developers now, both front end and back end developers being more involved in the DevOps type thing. So having an, an idea of what Docker is, having an idea of how to create virtual environments for things didn't necessarily need to do that back in the day. Back in the day, all you did was spin up a, a lamp, mamp or wamp stack. Yes, you can still do that now, but really as things start make, are, are going into the sort of container, sort of small isolated siloed services, you're kind of having to move into the, the infrastructure kind of thing. So in my opinion, I think things are getting more complicated, but I think the resources out there that allow people to learn are far greater. Another misconception that I hear quite a lot, and I think this is a generational thing, is that you need to have a degree to become a professional web developer. Now, I disagree with that entirely, uh, but, but, but you have to remember that we're talking several years since I've had my degree. So I think back then a degree was a good thing to have. I don't think I would have landed my job without a degree. Because back then when I was applying to jobs, there was a requirement on the job specification of a degree. Now, I see less so of that requirement these days when I'm applying for work for, for contracts. I also receive several junior developer job contracts as well and senior developer job contracts as well. And I can say that the degree requirement is actually less so. The requirement of having years worth of experience is more of a thing. 
And of course, you can frame that in very different ways. You could say, well, I have experience in, say, JavaScript, but this experience is actually me self-teaching experience or going to a coding bootcamp experience. It's not necessarily a degree experience. Another misconception, of course, is that you need to have a CS degree, a computer science degree. Well, I don't have one of those. I have a web development and e-commerce degree. It was a degree specifically for multimedia and websites. <laughs> so I think that as long as you can show that you are knowledgeable and you do have the experience, then you are in a good state, right? It's, I think that I'm not saying that you shouldn't get a degree. I think that if you can have the opportunity to get a degree, then that's a good thing because, you know, it's, it's just another feather in your cap, right? It's a, it's a, it's a good thing that goes towards your chances of getting a job. So why wouldn't you want to do that? Of course, there's money implications and time implications and sure, whatever. We won't go down that rabbit hole, but I think that a degree is a good thing to have, but I don't think it's a requirement. I don't think that you're going to not get a job in web development just because you don't have a degree. Another misconception, and this is a controversial one, is that software developers and software engineers are different. <laughs> in my opinion, in, in my opinion, software engineers and software developers are the same thing. It's just a word. It's just a title. You're just changing developer to engineer. I mean, come on. What difference does it make? If you're clutching on to your title, it means that you are insecure around other people's titles, <laughs> in my opinion. Come on. I mean, if you're writing code, it doesn't matter what kind of code. It could be VB6. It could be PHP. It could be CSS. If you are writing code, in my opinion, you are programming. If you are a programmer, you are a software developer. You are developing something. And if you want to call yourself a software engineer, fine. That, that's fine. I, I don't, that's, that's okay with me. And hey, if you are a front end developer and you're calling yourself a software engineer, go for it. All the power to you. In fact, in my opinion, I think you are a software engineer. You are engineering the front end. Okay. That's just, it's just a different language to what you're, you, you would do on the back end. I mean, what difference is there? Now, this is just my opinion. Okay. I know that the, there's a lot of people out there who clutch onto their software titles. You know, I am a software developer and you are a software engineer. You know, I don't have time for that. I think everybody is equally good. <laughs> they are equally a developer. Okay. You're just developing different things on different platforms and you know, you've got a different set of sexual organs. It doesn't matter <laughs> in my opinion. Come on. Another misconception is that you can't be a programmer or a web developer after you're 30. Well, if you think that, then please do check out the previous podcasts where I've been in interviewing developers who are over 30 and they've just landed their jobs. It's a great story to listen to. I, I've, I've spoken to so many people who've had this experience. Age shouldn't be a factor in terms of whether you can be a web developer or not. 
You can certainly learn coding at any age, in my opinion. Another controversial misconception is that Vue.js is better than React. Or React is better than Vue.js. I use both of them. Do I find one better than the other? No. (laughs) I don't. I don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't. I use Vue.js more on content management systems at the moment. So systems that manage content, I guess, right? Bunch of forms, essentially. I find React far easier when I'm working on actual nice looking front ends. Not to say that you can't do that with Vue, but, you know, I I use React when I'm using Gatsby. I use React sometimes when I'm building mobile apps. I mean, it's different things, right? I wouldn't say one is better than the other. I think they solve different problems. Yes, there is a gray area. They can cohibit the same space, sure. But I wouldn't say one is better than the other. I actually really like the way Vue handles data inputs and binding data. I think that's fantastic. I think the whole ecosystem in Vue is wonderful. However, I like the way React has components. I like the way React uses hooks. I like the way React allows you to decouple things from the code. And yes, I really like how CSS is in JavaScript. There, I've said it now. I actually quite like that. (laughs) Following on from X versus Y is the whole Python versus PHP debate. So PHP is better than Python or Python is better than PHP. Again, I don't have time for that. I know both. (laughs) And I use both for different things. If I'm building a website, I'm going to be using PHP. If I'm building a system that deals with a lot of data in terms of manipulating the strings, or I want to create a very simple endpoint, then I'll use Python. I use Python and, and, and the Flask framework. It's, it's great for building small little endpoints. Python is fantastic for manipulating data. It's brilliant at writing scripts. PHP, less so. You know, use the programming languages to their strengths, okay? Discover what they are good at and what they're not good at. It doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It just means that you can do things more on one than the other, depending on what you're trying to achieve. Trying to get a website hosted on Python is very difficult compared to getting it hosted on PHP. Why? Because all the websites are on PHP. So why would I even humor putting something on Python? (laughs) However, trying to write a command line interface that does a very complicated job is quite difficult in PHP. It's not what it's built for. It's not what it's built for because you're moving the the goalposts. You're saying, well, actually, we're not dealing with a web site, a web page anymore. We're building a script or we're trying to communicate across the network or we're trying to do something with IoT. I do a lot of Python stuff with microcontrollers. Another misconception, and I think this is a subconscious misconception, and this is that people assume that if you have a large audience, a large following, and you have a platform and you voice your opinion, that because your influence, because the amount of people who is listening means that what that person is saying is actually truth, (laughs) and it's not. So take people with large audiences with a pinch of salt. 
especially with this programming malarkey. Because if someone says to a very large audience that this programming language, this technology, whatever, isn't great and shouldn't be used, then that is actually quite damaging to those people who actually find use in that piece of technology. Everybody uses technology in a very different way. Um, you know, the programming languages solve very different problems. So when you hear someone completely blanket, a blanket statement saying that this is rubbish, this is garbage, this shouldn't be used, take a step back and actually think, are they using it in the way I want to use it? And, you know, should I even be sucked into this drama? What I'm saying here is people with influence are not always correct. Another misconception is that you must use a framework. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not true. You don't have to use a framework. And in fact, with the technology these days, you can actually create your own framework and bolt in different components from other frameworks, right? So for example, with Symfony, you could use Symfony comp components and make up your own framework. That's perfectly fine. And in fact, there is a benefit in doing that because you are reducing your attack surface because you know exactly what is in your own framework or the libraries that you're including. So no, you don't need a framework if you don't want to. And it's perfectly acceptable, in my opinion, to actually make that judgment call and go, you know, I'm going to write this myself. But there's a caveat here. Do not reinvent the wheel. So if there are libraries out there that you can use, components that you can use for things like date manipulation, session management, then use them. But you have the choice as to which component you can use rather than saying, I'm just going to use Symfony or Laravel and I'm going to do it exactly how they do it. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. Another misconception that I hear quite a lot is that you need to have expensive kit in order to be a pro web developer. There's a difference between a pro web developer and a professional web developer, in my opinion. You don't need to have expensive kit to start. In fact, when I started web development, I was just using the kit that was at school. <laughs> and then I just used the, the home computer, which I think I can't remember what it was, but it was very old. And then as I went to college, I got myself a laptop. That was a very cheap Windows machine. And then I progressed and progressed. Now I've got some very expensive kit, sure. But now I've gone from a web developer to perhaps a pro user, I guess, to a professional. And there's a big jump <laughs> because when you're in the professional space, when you're actually building websites for people, for paying customers, you want to make sure that the equipment that you use, if you can hear a honk in the background, that is uh, Murphy playing with his toy, by the way, you want to make sure that you use the kit that is going to work and is extremely reliable, right? You're dealing with lots of data sets. You're dealing with lots of memory intensive things. I, for instance, I'm using a series of Docker machines, a load of Docker containers all the time. So I need a lot of resources, a lot of memory, but you don't need any of that stuff when you're starting out. When you're just learning JavaScript or HTML, you just need notepad, <laughs> And you could use a very, you know, inexpensive 
laptop or machine to do that. In fact, and going on to the next misconception where I, I hear that you can't code on tablets, that is a misconception because you can. <laughs> you can certainly code on tablets. Yes, tablets are expensive, but you can certainly do that. So if you don't have a laptop, but you have a tablet, you can still learn code, in my opinion. Because there are tools out there, there's apps out there that you can download and you can, it's not the best interface perhaps because you're having to use the iPad interface, but it is, it is an IDE at the end of the day. You can write code, you can write Python on an iPad. Yes, you can. Another misconception is that you need to have internet access to be a web developer. So, There's a huge amount of code that I've created whilst I was sat on the train to see a client and I wasn't tethered. It was just writing code and actually using a PHP unit or whatever I was doing to test the code. And therefore, when I got to the client, I had something that was working and usable. (laughs) I wasn't on the internet. You don't have to be on the internet to write code. And in fact, if the, if it went the way that you had to be on the internet to write code, then I, then I would have some reservations. (laughs) A misconception that I think that the media portrays is that us programmers are, you know, we're, we're, we're hoodie wearing hackers who don't wash, are very disheveled and are very unsociable. Um, now I would say that I'm probably less sociable than I should be. However, I, I, I've had a shower this morning. I, I don't have a black hoodie on, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to speak to people. I mean, I'm doing a YouTube video here, so I'm not one of these crazy little hackers that uh, don't speak to anybody and they're just in their basement and they're just tapping away with the lights turned off. I've got huge lights beaming down on me here because I'm doing a video you know, we are human beings. We're not just this subspecies of humans that uh, just think about code all the time. Not at all. Some of the friendliest people I know are coders and they have some fantastic hobbies outside of coding, which I, I applaud and I encourage you to do. You know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't just center your life around programming all of the time. You should have other things as well. Um, it, it's, you know, very good to center things to programming fine, but once the day is done, the day is done and you need to then go and do something else. The YouTube stuff, the podcast stuff, that's a hobby of mine, <laughs> which has turned into this how to co well business, which is fantastic. It's great, which means that I can't really get away from the coding side of things, because I talk about coding when I'm not coding. I'm thinking about coding when I'm not coding. If you could pick up something that isn't coding, that would be fantastic because I do think that I'm more prone to burnout because I don't give myself enough time in my life that isn't programming. So a misconception here is that you need to just be a programmer and that's all you know. And I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. If you're a programmer and you're a singer, if you're a programmer and you play a musical instrument, if you're a programmer and you're a gardener, thumbs up. That's great. Don't think that you're less of a programmer because you're not spending every single waking moment of your life programming. 
That's not what we do. Now, if you disagree with any of these points or if you've got other points that you want to raise, then please let me know. Join the Discord server. That's howtocowell.net forward slash Discord. And let's start a discussion about these things. There's a free invite there on howtocowell.net forward slash Discord. Or if you want to support the channel, become a Twitch subscriber or a Patreon, then please do so. Support is greatly appreciated. Talking about support, I also have an Amazon storefront. I've just been granted access to this storefront. On the store, we have resources for programming books. We've also got resources for hardware, so standing desks, chairs, mice, keyboards, mechanical keyboards, all the great stuff for web developers and programmers. So if you're wanting to get a book, wanting to learn, say, JavaScript or CSS or PHP or Python, or if you're building any kind of IoT projects, then do check it out. That is amazon.co.uk forward slash shop forward slash Peter Fisher. I'll leave links in all of the show notes and all the stuff below. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. And I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>